Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Sandler, beauty and wellness editor at Glossy. Fairies, the cult favorite workout studio, celebrates its 25 years in business, having built a strong following of diehard fans since it first began in Los Angeles in 1998. Under the tenure of today's guest, Joey Gonzalez, CEO of Fairies, the business counts 84 studios across 14 countries and surpassed $100 million in revenue in 2022. Notably, Gonzalez started out as an instructor at Barry's before moving up the ranks to CEO over the course of 11 years with his executive appointment in 2015. Joey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Joey, Barry's, as I mentioned, has developed a very strong following over the 25 years, but I'm not sure how many people know of its history. Um, I personally did not realize that Barry's had been around for that long. Could you share a bit of the history behind it? It's so funny because people have always said that. Uh, ever since I can remember, I opened Barry's New York City in 2011. Uh, and people seem to think that was when it started. You know, I was walking around doing community marketing, talking to people about the brand and no one had heard of it. Uh, and then, you know, for the next decade, I continued to hear from people, oh, I thought Barry's just started. And it used to frustrate me, <laughs> but I actually learned that uh, it's a great thing because we have, you know, innovated so many times and there's so many iterations of the brand that we've manage to keep it current and new and fresh and not like this old dusty brand that's been around for a long time. So um, yeah, it's been around since 1998. And when I say, you know, many iterations, uh, Barry started as a very small 1400 square foot studio that had a small bathroom within the studio and, you know, very tiny lobby, no frills. And that was really how we started. So after 25 years, where is Barry's today in its business? I mentioned, you know, some of the countries and the number of studios, but share a bit more about some of the evolution and iterations. Oh, boy. So it has been, you know, I, I, I stepped into the CEO role in 2015 formally, uh, but I joined the team in 2004. I started as a client, then I was an instructor, a manager, uh, I ran ops for a few years and eventually became one of the co-founders by investing my own capital in opening all of the studios post LA. So I opened San Diego, moved there for a bit, opened to New York, was really you know at the helm in terms of proving the brand's portability, as well as developing all the tools we needed to scale. And so my role started long before you know, CEO in terms of how I was able to really impact the culture and the business. Um, and, you know, it's been for me almost 20 years that we've been able to survive and thrive through every fitness trend and cultural moment you can imagine with cardio going in and out of style and strength and the emergence of HIT, which we've been doing the whole time, right? And low impact and at-home digital and studio booms. And let's not forget the pandemic. Uh, and Barry's has through it all uh, just stuck to our core values uh, and been able to use, you know, one of those core values, innovation, uh, to get us through all of it. Today's Today, Barry's is in 84 studios across 14 countries, uh, and we're soon opening more. 
our newest U.S. studio openings that are coming down the pipeline are Scottsdale, Brooklyn Heights, Newport Beach, West Hollywood, Santa Monica, and Studio City. West Hollywood will be our new flagship location because that was actually the original and we're really excited to be upgrading. Uh, then in terms of global expansion, we'll be moving into Israel, Spain, Bahrain, and Egypt. That's quite impressive, especially Bahrain and Egypt. I'm very curious what we can discuss later, but I, I'm very intrigued by sort of the, the trends or the habits of people globally from a fitness perspective. Because um, mm -hmm. you always hear like the, the numbers, particularly about the U.S., since we're both based here, about like, you know, where um, or how people are exercising, the lack of care and attention brought to exercising in the American lifestyle. But, and yet, uh, Barry's has such a strong, like almost fanatic base. You know, I have some very close friends who are always at Barry's. So it's really interesting to see that dichotomy of what we know from almost an academic lens, but then what we see and hear about from places like a Barry's. Yeah, I think in terms of how we've been able to sort of translate the culture uh, and the brand internationally, I'd say that, you know, there's so many different pieces to the Barry's experience. From the moment you walk in, there's the client experience piece, there's the fuel bar, uh, there are the locker rooms and showers, our amenities partners, the Dyson hair dryers, you know, all of these uh, fun uh, pieces of the business that make the experience what it is today are, are semi up for grabs when we expand globally. And what I mean by that is, you know, when we opened in Milan, we learned very quickly that the Italian taste palette is very different than the American. And so our recipes changed a bit. There was less sugar. They don't like so much ice. We added a coffee bar. Uh, the retail collections might look different. Uh, the way studios actually look and are designed from an interior standpoint, not only very on a, from a global perspective, but even here within the United States, NoHo New York City will look very different than Barry Santa Monica. Once you open the doors to the Red Room, you're home. And it's always the same. The workout feels the same. The room is exactly the same. The instructor, the music, that is has translated into every single country we've entered. At the same time, I know that there are some more recent classes that... Barry's has developed both, um, you know, the virtual approach as well as new actual modalities. Could you share a bit more there? Yeah. So on one piece, we have the brand extension, which we've been doing for 25 years, right? Taking our core product and bringing it to as many places as possible. On the other hand, we have brand extension, which is how can we continue to deliver on our mission statement, leverage this brand and this community and expand it, right? And broaden our audience by delivering different products. And first up for us was Barry's Lift, which is a weightlifting only 50 minute class. And we exist in about a dozen places around the world at Barry's Lift. I think six of them are here in the North, in North America. In addition to that, we recently launched a concept called Barry's Ride, which is exactly like the core product we offer, but instead of treadmills, they're bikes. And even though it seems like a you know recent innovation, my architectural plans from 2010 in New York City had Barry's Ride existing in the space where it is right now. Oh, wow. So it's so like it's you had a premonition. You're like, this yeah. is going to happen oh, one yeah. day. <laughs> it was always the vision. 
but a lot of times, you know, when you take on capital and you're in charge of growing and expanding a brand, you really have to focus on what you know you're good at. Mm. Uh, and and we had just launched Ride in LA and New York as pop-ups to test the market in February of 2020. So, yeah, oh my God. Really bad timing. <laughs> uh, so here we are back at it again, and we are imminently opening our second Ride studio in West Hollywood. Like I said, that's our original, you know, since 1998 uh, location, and we're really excited probably around January we'll be launching that. Okay. But speaking of 2020, I know that Barry's had developed Barry's X, the virtual and on-demand classes during that time. Um, I'm curious because so many gyms and fitness studios had to close among many other businesses during that period of COVID-19, like, is the business still feeling any residual effects from that closure? Has anything changed from because of that period? So on the whole, as of you know, Q1 of this year of 2023, we are about 99% recovered across the entire U.S. system. So that's a holistic number. Uh, some markets like LA, New York City, Texas, they're all way beyond pre-COVID attendance, which is great. And they make up for the problem areas, right? Areas that have been impacted in a negative way by the pandemic, either because of migration patterns, right? A lot of people moved out of San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, or alternatively specific trade areas in cities that were CBD districts. And those have been impacted by the work from home culture, right? So where you have that like daytime population and people were coming in from their office every day and working out, they're not even there anymore. In some cases, they're only there Tuesday through Thursday. So uh, those are really the two types of studios that are lagging the most in recovery. But like I said earlier, luckily, the overperformance of most of our other markets are making up for it. And you said CBD districts. What is that? Business districts. So think of like Fidei oh, in San Francisco. and Yeah. Okay. Okay. Of course. Of course. So in the case of Barry Sachs in particular, how popular was that? And, and how many people are taking advantage of that today? Because across fitness and wellness, we'd seen such a rise and fall of virtual workouts like a Peloton or when Lululemon acquired Mirror. Um, and I'm really curious how that's going for Barry's too. Yeah. So when we created Barry's X, it was really um, as a result of wanting to continue to deliver on our vision statement, which is transforming lives worldwide, and our hands were completely tied, we couldn't do that in person. So we did two things. We developed Barry's X, which is uh, our app. You know, it's a camera on, optional camera on, where your trainer can see you. You can see the trainer and any other people with their cam on. So you feel immersed somewhat in the class. Uh, you take some of your familiar faces. We have trainers who every single trainer on the app is also a trainer in studio. So um, you're able to build those relationships both in person, should you choose, and on Barry's X. And in addition to Barry's X, we also launched over a dozen global outdoor studios, many of which actually had treadmills. Some of them had bikes. Some of them were our lift products. So we had all modalities in market around the world. We do today continue to meet clients wherever they are with this digital offering. Uh, and it has 
ended up to serve the business in a really convenient way, whether clients have left a city where they previously lived or have never lived in a very city, but really feel connected to the brand. Uh, however, we did see, you know, we have probably a few thousand monthly members at the moment, and that's down significantly from the peak of COVID. Uh, so we have definitely seen, um, you know, churn in our Berries X product. Luckily for us, we had never really invested heavily in our marketing strategy around Berries X. Uh, it was really something to get us through the pandemic, and never did we think we would sunset it after. But I think our expectations were fairly managed in terms of how many clients we thought we would pick up. Yeah, but I imagine to some extent, based off of where people are like using it, like maybe they're traveling or even possibly a space to see where the next Barry's location yeah, should like be. In, yeah, inform our development strategy yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah, we do take a look at the, those metrics. And uh, also we just changed our music strategy uh, and now we're we're using basically feed fm we're allowing clients to use their own spotify lists and what that has done is unlocked the growth potential of that product because now we can scale berries x globally we're not dealing with any music licensing licensing issues which are what prevented us from being able to do that so there is a great future for berries x uh, it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a core focus for us at the moment, but we're excited about what that product could do. Yeah, that's very clever when it comes to the music, because one, you are solving, as you mentioned, that licensing issue, but also from a global standpoint, you know, not everyone's listening to uh, the Billboard Top 100 or, you know, not yeah. everyone knows yeah. Katy Perry or something like that. Exactly. So it makes it more yeah. personal, more unique to a geography. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, as I mentioned, uh, you personally went from instructor to CEO in 11 years, which is a very impressive trajectory. I feel like I have to ask you for a bit of career advice here. How did you manage this? What did that look like? So I'll start by saying I, I never had the objective or dream of being the CEO. That wasn't really something that I worked towards. I just found a job that I loved and I worked so hard. And I think that's hard advice to receive as a young person today because uh, our, you know, millennials and Gen Z, I've, they're doing such a great job of finding work-life balance. However, the truth is you only have so much time in the day. And if you have great aspirations and a lot of ambition, there's simply no other way than to just work really hard. And if you find a job that you love, it never really feels like work. You know, it does feel like play and it does feel like fun. So um, I really had it all because I found this incredible job, this unbelievable brand and this um, wonderful global community where I could spend my time with both socially off and on the clock. And it never felt like work for me. What do you think is more important for getting ahead professionally, being smart or working hard? Well, for sure, working hard. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Some people disagree with yeah. me, but I think you, you meet very smart but lazy people. And it's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, that's only going to get you so far being smart. But working hard, I think you can yeah. get further, even if you're what I suppose we could call an average person. 
Yeah. And and that's something I think about as a parent, right? What are the qualities I want to see in my kids? I want them to be well-rounded because there's like the work hard piece, which is I call not only a Barry's value, but also family value. I learned that from my father, who was a Cuban refugee, and my mother, who came here at 14 from Italy and, you know, built her life from nothing as well. So I think on the other side of it, there's also having fun and being sociable and having the emotional intelligence to be able to connect with people. I think both of those things are more important than how smart you are. And don't get me wrong. I, don't, I think it's very important to study uh, and you know learn as much as possible. But having been in this position for as long as I have and watched so many different careers around me grow and develop, I think that those two pieces are as important as what your capacity is intellectually. I'm curious, and I don't know how old your children are, but are you like a Barry's family? Like, is this a group activity within the household? <laughs> I wish they could do it. They're too little. They're too little. They're six and seven. <laughs> yeah. But they are like, they're both really mad at me right now because they're not coming to the Barry's 25th birthday party, Aww. which is like a massive party where Diplo's DJing and so inappropriate for a six and seven year old. Not sure how to explain it to them. Maybe for I, the, I don't know, the 40th anniversary. <laughs> exactly. Like There we go. That's when they oh, can boy. join. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So kind of going back almost a little bit to that, you know, hard work because Barry's is a full on workout. I would love mm-hmm. to kind of talk about, you know, not only why people are sort of obsessed with it, but also how you sustain that kind of enthusiastic momentum at the end of the day, working out for me, at least it's a necessary evil. I can find some enjoyment in it, but it's not a core part of me where I'm like, yeah, I love being active. Like I really actually enjoy just sitting on the couch, but I would like to be healthy. So I do work out. (laughs) Right. You know, I think a big part of what has made Barry's successful for so long is we always keep it fun. It's a place where you know you're going to show up and you have a lot of options today, right? Back in the day, there were none. Barry's was it. But today, you have a lot of options. And Barry's is not the easiest. So I think showing up and walking through the door, you already know you're surrounded with like-minded people who are there to work hard and who are very results-driven and ready for to take on you know, a big challenge. But everybody there is also you know, work hard, play hard. There's this really playful, fun energy where you, know, you walk into this room and it's lit like a, a nightclub. And you know, Barry's story is that he is, or was, still is, but was when he created Barry Sober. And he missed that part of his life, right? The nightclub and going out and being a part of a scene and partying and dancing. And so he created this incredibly immersive experience that combined fitness with nightlife. And you have this dark red lighting where everybody looks great uh, and really incredible sound system and your favorite music and tunes are played and the class is wooing and people are either high-fiving or fist-bumping or smiling at each other. And that's what keeps people coming back, right? There's the results, clearly, because I think if you keep doing something and it's not working for you, either not experiencing, you know, physical, mental, whatever kind of transformation, you stop. Barry's works in every way. 
And it's also very, very fun. With the nightclub element, I, I like that too in my workouts, but for a different reason. One, it distracts me because it's very fun and immersive. Mm-hmm. So it distracts me from the pain, but it's also dark enough that no one can see me struggling, um, which I feel like is so helpful because, you know, that whole gym intimidation thing is is very true. I was at a normal gym earlier this week and I'm looking at this machine. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to use these and I don't <laughs> want to be in a position where I'm doing it wrong. So I prefer like yeah. that environment where you have the instructor and you also can just sort of almost like be by yourself, even though you're in this very busy room. It's a great point you bring up because I have seen through the years, so many people say, Joey, it's so weird. I always hated group fitness. I didn't like working out with people, but I did berries and I actually loved it. And the reason for that, I think, is that you've taken a berries class. Every time you are either on the treadmill or bike, whatever class you're taking, lifting, or you're on the floor, on your bench with your weights, you're not looking at an instructor on a stage. You are looking at you. There are mirrors all around the room. And that is intended so, sure, you can see how great you look, but also <laughs> so that you can watch your form, right? We, we give a lot of verbal cues on how to lift, on how to run, but you have your eyes on you and it's very much you versus you. You know, it's not, it can be competitive. I think if people go together that they know or they glance over at each other's treadmills, there's that piece for people who are competitive. But for the most part, I think people are really there to connect with themselves and there's also this element of a community where if, if that's what you're there for, it exists as well. Yeah. And also, I always think about it as like positive peer pressure. If everyone's sticking to the workout regimen, doing the number of reps they need to, or doing the certain moves, I'm like, okay, I have to keep up this momentum. Otherwise, as soon as I get tired, I'm, I'm just going to quit if I'm working oh my out gosh. by myself. You, you just hit the nail on the head. We, I can't tell you the customer journey I've seen of how many people come to Barry's after personal training didn't work for them. And I know because I'm a trainer by trade, right? I know how that show goes. And sure, there are some trainers that won't let up on you. But for the most part, when you start to fail on your own with a trainer or at the gym, you stop. And at Barry's, you can definitely stop. No one's going to yell at you. But there's this unspoken sort of pressure to not stop and to keep curling or lunging. You're like, oh my God. And everyone always says, I worked so much harder than I would have done on my own. Yeah, or even with the unspoken mention when you're with a personal trainer, you start chatting more so that you don't have to do the things. It's like a way to cheat the system, but you're truly cheating yourself because personal (laughs) training tends to be pretty expensive. (laughs) Yeah, it's your dime. (laughs) So something notable about Barry's was that it used to be called Barry's Boot Camp, which was dropped in 2019. (laughs) And I am really curious, what was the reason for this? Because admittedly, many people I talk to still refer to it as Barry's Boot Camp. Yeah, it was actually 2015, the year that we dropped Boot Camp. That was the year of our rebrand, might have even been like end of 14. And, you know, the story goes, so when I started doing Barry's, it was a boot camp. You walked in, there were nets on the ceiling that made you feel like you were in the military. All the walls were camouflaged. Like the front desk person handed you a dog, a metal dog tag on a chain that you could wear if you wanted. And it had your client number on it. And the lower the number was, 
the higher your bragging rights were because that meant you were client number 213, right? I remember people who were under 10 who who loved it and were there. Do you remember your number? I don't. Because I, I, yeah, I was late. You got to go find that dog tag. It wasn't, there was no bragging rights for me. I was like six (laughs) years after it opened. (laughs) But uh, not only did it look and feel like a boot camp, but the experience in the Red Room was very much like a boot camp. So there was, you know, some pretty harsh discipline that took place. Uh, You were called out if your speeds weren't there. Sometimes your trainers would push your treadmill while you're on it faster. Uh, On the floor, you know, they'd scream your name if you weren't doing what they they wanted you to do. Barry, I remember a few times there was a clock on the wall. And if someone looked at it too many times, he'd pull it off and make them run around the neighborhood with it over their head. So it was a very, I know, it was a very different place and a very different space. And that all changed. Uh, after I joined the team and started to expand around to different places, you know, I was younger than my partners and a little bit softer in my approach to fitness and really thought that if we wanted to broaden our audience and appeal to more people, we might want to soften the way that we approach (laughs) fitness and our relationships with them. So that went away. We kind of sunset that attitude. We changed the aesthetic of the brand uh, we dropped all of the uh, camouflage. We changed our logo from a dog tag to what it is today, which is just kind of a standard chevron. And it works because I think without the word boot camp, it's much easier to understand what you're showing up to, right? Like it's a Barry's run lift class, a Barry's ride lift class, and a Barry's lift class. And those are really easy to understand. And boot camp wasn't, especially since it had become not a boot camp anymore. So that's why we dropped the word. I feel like at some point, just for old time's sake, you got to do one OG boot camp class, get like the top 20, like most dedicated berries people and just like do it for as a reminder of what it used to be. Oh my God. That's absolutely hilarious. You joke around, but we did a series of focus groups recently within the last two years across the country. And some of the output from it was so outrageous. I couldn't believe it. Almost every focus group had one person who said, I really long for the days where you used to like yell at us and humiliate us and be really mean. Can we do that again? I mean, everyone's got a kink, How is this possible? (laughs) I know. So funny. You're like, we'll get those in one single individual from all of those focus groups. We'll get them together. How about? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we'll have a, a tag in our software that, uh, denotes for the instructor who wants that and we'll just go to like treadmill 17 and just scream at that person and smile the one next yeah to it's kind of like when you get the sssss on your boarding pass and so you have to go through the special <laughs> tsa check like someone gets a designation oh, and it yes. means they want some extra tough love yeah that's that person <laughs> Uh, so we had talked a little bit about, you know, the fitness trends and some of the changes that Barry's had to make as it went to international markets like Milan. Are there any other interesting insights that you see from different countries or regions? Any changes you'll have to make as you expand more into the Middle East? Uh, I, you know, a lot of those changes come as we go through the process. Sure. So you should know our strategy for development and for expansion internationally is through the franchise model Mm. with a few exceptions. Most of our English-speaking countries are joint venture, so we're equity participants in those deals. But uh, outside of that, globally, we've 
you know, expanded through franchise partnerships. And they're meaningful, big country, in some cases, multi-country deals. That really gives us access to uh, boots on the ground, people who are tied into the culture and help us unlock what we can expect from their communities. So we have those conversations up front, right, prior to opening. And we, we talk about the fuel bar. We talk about the retail strategy, and we figure out what might be right for each of those countries. In terms of, you asked, like, fitness trends, I'd say the biggest one that all of us are noticing this year and grateful for and sort of <laughs> pinching ourselves is this return to in-person experiences. Everybody has rushed back to studios and also gyms. And it is, you know, thank God, because it was a very dark few years for all of us. I think 30% of boutique studios closed, which is very, very sad. Those of us who remained were upside down from a cash perspective and had to do whatever it took to stay, you know, keep the lights on. And so having this rush back to in-person experience has been a godsend. Uh, and also being an LA founded company, I feel like we have to talk about the cultural differences between New York and LA. This is one topic that I love discussing with people, especially those who are in LA or familiar with LA. Um, how do you think each city feels about working out and health and especially where those two things fit into people's lifestyles? Very curious what your opinion mm. is. Yeah, I have so many because... Well, now, by the way, Barry's is based in Miami now, or HQ and I are based in Miami. But uh, for our entire, you know, for 20 years, Barry's was based in LA, in West Hollywood, moved to New York, where I started to build headquarters, and then moved back to LA. So I have a very clear perspective on how those cities have not only impacted me in my life, but the business. I lived in both cities for a long time, and they will always be loves of my life. I'd say LA is where most fitness trends have started historically. The lifestyle there really lends itself, as you know, to open-minded, sort of creative, free thinking and experimenting. And it just makes sense that Barry's began there because it was the first of its kind, right? It was a true original. And let's be honest, I think Barry's has pretty great swag and style. So all of those pieces of us are very LA. And we were born in LA, but we grew up in New York City. And that's really, you know, where the organization matured and began to get serious about our growth ambitions and develop this real sense of hustle that I don't think you can develop anywhere but Manhattan. Uh, our, as an example, our SoCal Barry's model I explained to you was like a very chill, small 1400 square foot studio and you went, got sweaty, and then you left and you showered at home and that would not fly in the Big Apple. So there we went all out. We built these amazing locker rooms, showers, and took on our premium amenities partners and came up with this fuel bar concept. And we really tried to integrate everything that a New Yorker could need from a boutique studio. So both cities, I think, have impacted this brand in such significant ways. And I have so much love for both. Well, where does Miami fit into that too? Is it more New York? Is it more LA? Is it something else entirely? I love Miami. I love being here, A, because I'm Cuban and berries needed a little more Latino flavor. So that makes me happy. Uh, but also because uh, berries does have, it shares a lot of the lifestyle pieces of LA where it is, it is chill. Uh, you know, you're on a boat on the weekends. The weather is always lovely. Uh, 
Uh, they're great. There's a great restaurant scene, great bars. It's just a fun, fun place to live. But it's so close to New York. So I could be in New York, which is one of my favorite places in the world, so quickly, and our whole team can. And of course, we make trips back regularly to LA. And I spent, you know, about a month and a half there over the summer. So um, yeah, they all sort of fit in in different ways. Yeah, when you need a little extra hustle in your step, you're like, all right, it's time to go to New York. <laughs> exactly. So true. And then after you leave, you're like, whoo. <laughs> you're like, whoo, I'm so happy to relax. I'm so glad I don't live there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Joey, it's been 25 years in business. What's there left to conquer? What does the future look like for Barry's? So continued expansion. You know, we hope to get to at least 100 studios here in the U.S. within the next three, four years. Uh, we would love to, you know, I feel like the sky is, like, the, it's limitless what we can do globally. So I think we could get to between you know 150 to 200 studios internationally with the right strategy over the next three to five years. And in terms of extension, obviously we are investing in both Lyft and Ride. We hear from our clients regularly that they want that product in their market. So uh, looking at you know developing it's their own uh, sort of strategies for growth and and bringing ride and lift to as many places as possible as well. And then people always ask, are you, you know, are you going to do more? Are there going to be other modalities? And my answer has always been, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't even think about that right now, but I think the answer is yes. I think there's always going to be more for us. Yes. I personally would like to use this moment to advocate for more ride classes in New York. I think there's <laughs> only one in, in Chelsea, only one studio that offers yeah. them. And I'm on the east side. So anyone listening to this podcast who knows the geography of Manhattan knows that the west side is a little bit tricky to get to. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. that's uh, something that I would very much like to, to see Got for it. myself. I will, <laughs> I will make it a priority. Thank then. you. Thank you. Yeah. But also thank you, Joey, so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure. Oh, thank you. It's so fun. I appreciate it. Yes, this was so fun. And Congratulations on 25 years in business. Um, there's that exciting upcoming party, which I'm sure will be very buzzy and we'll see it all over the news soon. Yeah, we're very excited. And thank you so much for, for having me. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit that button.